the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Monday, May the 18th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 18, 1980, Mount St. Helens, the volcano in Washington State, for those of you listening elsewhere, it exploded, left 57 people dead or missing. 1,314 feet blew off the top of that majestic mountain changed the landscape forever. Boy, I'll tell you, the dust, the ash, hit the Yakima Valley. I remember my dad, he, my, he's passed away now, but he, I remember he was out there trying to get the ash off the top of his house. Fortunately, it was a one-story, kind of a rambler house that he and mom lived in, in Yakima. And um, he was out there trying to get the ash off and he was talking to me on the phone. He said, Gary, I've never seen anything like this in all my life. Well, nobody had. Not around here, anyway. A lot of memories. I remember uh, one of the cities or towns over in uh, between the Tri-Cities and Spokane, I think, had a sign out there. Was it Eltopia? It could be. I remember seeing that for years on that road. It said, drop in. Mount St. Helens did or something close to that. It was an amazing thing. It certainly got everybody's attention and uh, showed that nature is awesome and can't be controlled by man. Today in 1804, Napoleon became emperor of France. There wasn't a lot of outrage when he declared himself to be the emperor. and The reason was because he had been quietly making laws behind the scenes for some time, setting the stage, preparing the people, to accept an emperor. So all he had to do when the time came was to declare that he was the emperor. Not much backlash. Not many people upset. They didn't like it. They didn't agree with it. But they said, well, that's kind of where we are now. We could all give that some thought. Today in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was nominated for president. Today in 1896... The U.S. Supreme Court in Plessy versus Ferguson, they endorsed separate but equal racial segregation. It's a concept renounced 58 years later by a case called Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas. Today in 1910, Halley's Comet, or Halley's as some people call it, spelled Halley's, but I, I always called it Halley's Comet. It passed by Earth. It brushed us with its tail. Today in 1910. Today in 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed a measure creating the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA. Today in 1934, Congress approved, President Franklin Roosevelt signed the so-called Lindbergh Act. It provided for the death penalty in cases of interstate kidnapping. That, of course, came out of the kidnapping of the Lindbergh child. Today, in uh, 1967, Tennessee Governor Buford Ellington 
He signed a measure repealing the law against teaching evolution that was used to prosecute John T. Scopes, 1925. Today in 1981, the New York native, a gay newspaper, carried a story concerning rumors of an exotic new disease among homosexuals. It was the first published report about what became known as AIDS, today in 1981. Got an email from one of our listeners and and a supporter of this ministry. He said, Gary, God is always working. I normally preach once a month at an assistant living center, but haven't since the second Sunday in March. However, each Thursday afternoon in May, this place has set up a flatbed trailer with a sound system and One guy plays the guitar and sings about three hymns, and another gives an inspirational five- to seven-minute message while they drive around the complex's parking lot so that everyone could come out out on their balcony and hear. He said, my turn was yesterday, Sunday, and uh, he said it was fun and amazing all at once. He said there were seven stops, so I tweaked my message a, a little bit each time, but it was crazy to reach so many people that normally don't attend the Sunday service, including a man who was over 100 years old. He noted that they also have a Catholic mass there in this uh, particular home. But this person goes on, this friend of this ministry goes on. He said, you could feel their hunger for interaction as they were having to eat in their rooms, as they're having to eat in their rooms and are very isolated. Praise God who worked it out that everyone there got to hear a short message of salvation and not just the Sunday regulars. What he's, what he's saying is uh, clearly is that they have these regular services there, and there's a number of people that come, probably the same people pretty much every week. But because the services were canceled, the gathering, uh, the social distancing law was in place, he said, um, because of that, he said, all of the people in the building pretty much came out and listened to to the sermon. He said, it was very encouraging for me and I was blessed to uh, to have been a part of it. He said, I reiterated what you always say and told them that God is in control multiple times. Well, God is in control. And I'll tell you, that's the best message people can hear today because our world is out of control. Former President Barack Obama is doing what he's always done. He did it yesterday or Saturday again. He was speaking uh, on a two-hour live streaming event to uh, historically black colleges and universities. He was on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter live for two hours. Two hours. And he focused, his focus, not on the future, but on the past. Now, it's good to look back at history, and we do that. We just finished doing that now. We do that every every day on this program. We must be fully aware of history if we are to understand the future. But I will tell you, this man is obsessed with racism. I know he's half black. I get that. I understand. But I'm telling you, he's obsessed with racism. He gets on there and these kids are graduating. They don't have a graduation exercise this year because of the Wuhan virus. But he said, in fact, even Associated Press said that Barack Obama's remarks, I'm quoting Associated Press, and they like the guy. I mean, they're they're his better carrier. 
They said his remarks were surprisingly political and touched on current events beyond the virus and its social and economic impact. One of the things that Obama told these people all across the country, he said, more than anything, this pandemic has fully finally torn back the curtain on the idea that so many of the folks in charge uh, don't know what they're doing. He said a lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. He congratulated the graduates, but he told them, he said, this is a very difficult world that you face. Well, it is. It's a lot of challenges. But he said, let's be honest. A disease like this just spotlights spotlights the underlying inequalities and extra burdens that black communities have historically had to deal with in this country. Why couldn't he just for a moment, just for a moment, just one fleeting moment, at least acknowledge the fact that before this virus hit the world and America, this economy was doing more for black students than any other time in history. But then if he would have said that, he would have been suggesting that maybe the president, those people whom he didn't name, but a first grader would know who he was talking about, were doing something right. Because they were. This man is a pathological racist. He just can't get past his community organizing. It's sad, but it's but it's true. God is in control. Things are tough. They're challenging out there, I'll tell you. Psalm 115 speaks to this. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Verse two says, uh, verse two says, why, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? Apparently some of the secular atheists were saying to the God's people, where is your God? We hear that today. Vice President Pence and others who are very public people and very publicly committed Christians are often mocked on television, internet, entertainment, that kind of thing. I mean, People haven't changed much, have they? But here we find in Scripture, but why why should the Gentiles say, so where is your God? The response in verse 3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. He's in control. He's a sovereign God, created all things. It continues, verse 4, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. (laughs) They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. We live in an echo chamber today. The people that make the gods don't serve the gods because they're false gods, but they're just like them. Exactly. More than a few Americans are asking themselves, how in the world did we get to this point? It seemed like it happened overnight. Well, we were trying to figure out what a coronavirus was. Our whole world was shut down by authorities. Those that were in the most capable, the most knowledgeable, 
said on television day after day after day, and they said, we must do this for the greater good. Everything was shut down. Schools, the whole thing. And all of a sudden, once we begin to get over the initial shock, people begin to ask, how did how did this happen? How did we get to this point? And as local authorities, not all, but those of a secular progressive ideology, when they said, where is your God? I am God. My laws, which they are not constitutionally able really to invoke, are the law. Nothing quite like this has ever happened before in America. It happens all the time in third world countries. I've seen it. I've been there. I've been living with the people and preaching the gospel, looking over our shoulder so we wouldn't get a spear stuck in the back or whatever. But in America? How did we move from a God-given government protected freedoms to a godless government's dictates almost overnight, much like Napoleon did? He pulled it off on France. Now, Now we're seeing some of the same maneuvers in America. The simple answer is that we move from freedom to compliance because of our fear of the unknown. The left has declared this time to be kind of a carpe diem time. You know, never let a crisis go to waste, seize the day. I want to be very frank today with you. I I feel I should say some of these things and we'll let the chips fall where they fall. <laughs> Uh, but before we get into that, let me say thank you to the person I got this email from who was preaching at a nursing home, assisted living home, yesterday. And I'm sure there are others faithfully across the nation. My own dad used to do that. He was never a pastor, but he was a very active layman in our church. And he used to go and hold services in assisted living homes and even went to the jail sometimes on Sunday and held a service. They let him do it or let our church do it. He led it. would tell them about Jesus Christ and give them the plan of salvation. I would go with him a lot of the times. So I have a fond memories of people being active for the kingdom of God. That story touched my heart. Thank you for sharing it with me. And I want to thank all of you who support us. It is very essential that we have your support at this time. These are not normal times, and we all know that. I don't have to make a long, drawn-out illustration, or I don't have to go on and on about it. I'm just telling you these are difficult times, and you know that. So I want to thank you for standing with us. We do need your help. It's, It's essential. Your support, we're here because of it. I want to thank you to all of you who support us. I know you will do what God directs you to do and what you can do in the context of what you have and you feel you should do. And in advance, thank you for continuing to stand with us. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. The word carpe diem in Latin literally means seize the day, trusting as little as possible in the future. That's what it means. Webster defines the word carpe diem with this. He says, enjoyment of the pleasures of the moment without concern for the future. 
Carpe Diem is also a book that was written a few years ago by Tony Campalo, Reverend Dr. Tony Campalo, which defines the general attitude of the so-called religious progressive left. Tony has traveled the land, speaking on probably hundreds, if not thousands, of college campuses, including Christian colleges, particularly maybe Christian colleges, and churches, churches that have lost their way. Their lamp has gone out. So they fill their pulpit, they fill the sound of their sanctuary with support for gay rights, silence on abortion, and the likes of Tony Campalo and Jim Wallace and the religious left filling their pulpits and the minds and the hearts of the few people left sitting in their pews. That's where too many churches are today. Tony Campalo, Jim Wallace, their gospel is not the gospel that was delivered to the followers of Jesus Christ by Paul and others whom God chose to empower to write the New Testament, the infallible word of God that came to us through people with many faults. Campalo was publicly known and he presents himself if you look at his books and I've had personal contact with Tony over the years. And I'm going to share that with you. This is not, I'm not trying to get at Tony. I'm trying to get at the truth. And he's part of the problem. Only part of it. But he's publicly known and he presents himself as, quote, an American sociologist, pastor, author, public speaker, and a former spiritual advisor to U.S. President Bill Clinton. In addition to his books, he has a number of videos out there circulating. You can All you have to do is Google it, and then boom, there's a whole bunch of them comes up on every topic imaginable. But in the Christian church community, people are following this man and Jim Wallace and others. And one of the videos that's out there that has a lot of hits is why same-sex marriage is affirmed by God. And he's speaking to the church, to the youth. He's an entertaining guy. He's a good speaker, but he's dead wrong. A number of years ago, some of you know, some of you, in fact, that listened to this program, watched our TV show. We were on 12 years. We originated from Coin TV in Portland, Oregon, CBS affiliate. We were on CBS affiliate stations and some ABC and NBC stations around the country. It was a daily morning show. It was unique. There, there really was never one like it. I mean, network stations never produced a religious program. They had asked me, contacted me, asked me to be the host. That Many of you know this story. It was in the news, actually, in the newspapers at the time. But on because of the nature of our program, it was it was certainly Christian. I mean, you know where I'm coming from. I haven't changed that much from then to now, and not at all in my beliefs. But I had a lot of guests that wouldn't have been available to us at the time uh, otherwise because of the of the nature of the program and because it was produced by, oh, a known quantity. I mean, it just had a, a thing about it that made it um, more accessible or want, the people wanted to be accessible to the program. So anyway, in that context... Tony Campalo's people contacted us. I would have never contacted him, but somehow I had the last word on all of the guests that were on. And my my personal producers, we had a couple of them. But I wasn't aware at the time of what he was 
excuse me, what he was really saying. But I was I knew he was circulating in the Christian community. This has been a number of years ago. So we we said, sure. At that time, many of the publishers would fly in authors to be on our program at no expense to us. They just wanted it on because it had a lot of exposure on these network stations. We were on in Denver and Minneapolis and all over the place and Miami and and I don't know where, I can't remember where all, but a number, many uh, large market. So they would fly these people in at no, no cost. We would sometimes put them up overnight, depending on where they had come from. But it was very little to no expense to us. They wanted them on. I would mention that they've written a book about blah, 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 whatever it was. So Compalo was flown in to this CBS affiliate. And he came to the green room, and I didn't really sit down with him until just before the program. And we talked, and it, it seemed, he sounded Christian, and he sounded kind of conservative. And I thought, well, I'll keep an eye on this guy, because I'm not going to let him take me where I won't go. So we get on, the cameras are rolling, there are three or four of them, and they're going. And this guy starts, I no more than introduced him and his book, Till he starts in on the audience, and he was using four-letter words. I, I kid you not. He was using four-letter words, and he was undermining and attacking. He sounded like Barack Obama on steroids. Everything that is sacred in Scripture, from marriage to abortion to all this stuff, and throwing in these four-letter words. I kid you not. And I looked at this non-Christian crew of camera people and the floor director and all of these people. And I thought, dear God, they don't need to hear this. They were looking at me like, man, you're not going to put this on the air, are you? It wasn't live, fortunately. It was delayed a bit. And through that program, when that was finished, I thought this man is going to give an account for what God has given him. He is not using it in a way that's pleasing to God. And I'm not judging him. I'm judging his fruit. And on that day, I kind of reached a new threshold regarding the religious left. I have real issues with the religious left because they're misleading many young people and adults who have once known the Lord, once known Scripture. And they've been... They've been led away by all of this nonsense is supposed to be hip. And Campalo, now he's old, I, I think he's still living, but he's been responsible for some of that, and so is Jim Wallace. He's very active still, Jim Wallace, and a whole bunch of these guys, McLaren, there's a whole list of them. And I will tell you, beware, don't let them speak. If you're a pastor, don't put them in your pulpit. They do not represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are not consistent with the word of God. And they're misleading millions and millions of people. So anyway, when we ask ourselves the question, how do we get here? That's part of it. That's part of it. Churches have gone to sleep. Churches have lost membership. And in their attempt to meet their budgets and get a few more people in the pew, the mainstream, mainline churches in particular, they've gone to whatever they feel will work. Paul is a great speaker. He's very entertaining. Boy, I'll tell you, beware. The gospel that he delivers is not the gospel that was delivered 
by Paul and the followers of Jesus Christ, whom God chose to use to give us his word in the New Testament. The gospel of these guys is primarily focused on a social gospel that suggests that the great commission of Jesus is to bring social justice, fairness to the world through compassion and eliminate the sovereignty of this and any other nation. Open borders are anti-biblical. The test of this other gospel is compassion and affirmation. And if you don't have compassion by their terms, then you're not a Christian. The secular left, the religious left, intersect with the idea of compassion being a substitute for biblical Christianity. If you feel empathy for somebody, that shows that you're truly a Christian. And that's very misleading because compassion and empathy is a biblical virtue. And with Christ living in our hearts, we are to be compassionate and empathetic. We are to be the Good Samaritan. We are to be all of those things. But I will tell you, when that becomes the point of description of Christianity, that's when you begin to depart from Scripture. Our founding fathers understood that biblical principles are only the only sure foundation upon which this nation can be successfully created. They also recognized that it would be folly to live to live for the moment. Carpe diem. That's why they concluded their declaration of independence with these words. They would have never said this about some kind of a secular progressive adapted to Christianity kind of a belief. Our founding fathers said, quote, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the pr- protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. When's the last time you heard a politician say anything close to that? Dependence upon God was a general consensus in the founding of our nation, and it wasn't a left-wing, religious left kind of message. It was truly the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when elected officials do express their dependence on God, his word for guidance, like Vice President Mike Pence and others, they're openly mocked in this culture. How did we get here? We got here by turning ever so slight in some cases, but turning away from the truth of God's word and turning away from the God of eternity, who was and is and forevermore shall be. And we ourselves have become God's. Because we have made gods, and the Bible says if you make these gods, they can't talk, they can't walk, they can't speak, they can't hear, but you become like them, as we read in Psalm a moment ago. And that's where we are today, and that's how we got here. It's not a political problem. It's not a racial problem. It's a spiritual problem. And until we can get our hearts aligned with God, this is going to go on. And now we have set ourselves up where this overreach of government, governors thinking they're emperors, and putting laws out there. I I can just imagine the founding fathers that signed the Declaration of Independence, what they would say about this. I don't have time to go into it, but take a look at the Declaration of Independence for yourselves. The whole thing is based on government overreach. The King of Great Britain. He was doing all this stuff, and they do a long list in the Declaration of Independence, a long train of abuses, they call it, usurpations, and all of this. And he was doing some of the same things that we see people doing today in our state government. 
I'm out of time, but we'll continue this conversation tomorrow for sure, God willing. Thank you so much for being with me, and thank you for your support, your comments. I read them all. I'll see you right here tomorrow.